What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! Hello everyone, welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Moel Saeed and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. One of the most fascinating things about Web3 is that it's turning users into owners. You and I now have the ability to participate freely in network operations and benefit from it. And when you think of it, it is absolutely mind-blowing when compared to the top-down, wall-garden model of our current web. One such way of doing so is by participating in proof-of-stake mechanisms which uses tokens as the main resource to run blockchain operations. If you delegate your coins, you get a reward. Sounds great, right? Yes, but such process is often considered to be complex and inaccessible to many. This is where Figment comes in. Figment is a blockchain infrastructure and service provider that makes it simple for token holders and enterprises to participate in proof of stake. And the good news is that Ledger users will now be able to access Figment services directly from within the security of the Ledger ecosystem. To discuss this, I'm glad to welcome Figment's CEO and co-founder, the man himself, Lauren Gable. We'll be joined by another man you probably already know by now, Ledger's VP of product, Charles Hamill. Lorian, Charles, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great, great to be here. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm calling in from uh, Miami, where there's a very large Bitcoin conference. So uh, it's uh, good to good to have a break and have a real conversation, as opposed to thousands of little small ones. I'm looking <laughs> forward to today. Yeah, thanks, Mo. Always great to be here. Awesome. Actually, proof of stake is such an interesting discussion, and I'm very much looking forward to it. So, yeah, I mean, let's get to it. On the Ledger, Season 2, Ledger meets Figment. Here we go. So, Lorian, let me start with you. You're kind of considered as a Bitcoin OG. You've been mining Bitcoin since 2012. Um, but in 2018, you've decided to transition to proof of stake and founded Figment. First of all, could you give us a quick overview of the differences between proof of work and proof of stake, and then tell us why you made that move? Absolutely. So there's a there's a couple of different frames. I'll, I'll try to to sort of simplify um, what can be you know it's uh, it's a uh, blockchain. So sometimes there's unnecessary confusion in terminology. So um, blockchains uh, have uh, operating systems uh, which aligns a whole bunch of actors um, to maintain. Um, and process transactions and provide security on a blockchain. So I'm going to use the word blockchain protocol and network interchangeably. I mean the same thing when I say that. And so um, Bitcoin runs on, they're called consensus mechanisms. You can think of them really as an operating system for blockchains. Um, and Bitcoin, uh, as we're probably all familiar, run on something called proof of work. And proof of work, um, there's essentially two actors um, in Bitcoin. There's the miners and they run these big data centers um, they consume a lot of electricity, um, and they're basically using a lot of compute power to compete to produce the next block, provide security process transactions. And so you really have the Bitcoin on the people who hold Bitcoin, um, and then you have these miners. And there's two different audiences, and in theory, um, their interests are usually, but not necessarily, aligned because of what's built into that. So um, there have been... Um, energy ESG type concerns uh, about power consumption. There's been some scalability concerns. Um, and so 
in 2018, uh, people were looking like, hey, is there another way to actually run um, and operate a blockchain? Is there another is there another consensus mechanism, as it's called, um, another operating system? And so proof of stake um, became, you know, there's a number of white papers around the time when we were looking at it, became, at least in theory, uh, a way um, that would be more scalable, um, use less resources, uh, but have the same outcomes, a secure decentralized, uh, trustworthy ledger, essentially. Um, and so um, we thought that, hey, um, this could be the future. Um, and there's a whole bunch of benefits to it we didn't really know. And so we thought it was also an area where we could sort of have a head, head start. And so we launched on our first protocol um, at the end of 2018 and now support over 50 different proof stake blockchains. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about why and which blockchains have launched. Um, and most of the significant new ones have been proof of stake based. But if you kind of you kind of need to know one thing, like don't worry about consensus mechanism, don't worry about operating systems, don't worry about miners. If you need to know like the big difference between proof of work and proof of stake is that again, if you hold a Bitcoin, you don't have anything necessarily to do with running the network, governing, sharing in the value created. What proof of stake does is basically bring those two functions together. So you essentially in the old language become a miner, you're not really mining, but you essentially become, you have the, the right, uh, but not the obligation. Um, to participate in maintaining the protocol. So if you have um, X number of Solana or 32 ETH, you can run your own node. Um, or if it's technically complicated or you're a large holder or um, you use Ledger, um, you hopefully do it through Ledger and someone like us because it can be technically complicated. So you entrust that to it. But um, you know, the three of us on this call, well, I don't know, maybe not me, but you guys could probably, if we had a month, we could probably figure out how to run our own ETH node over time. So it's a technical component. It's a little bit complicated. Um, and so basically what you do now as a token holder, you can run the network and then share in the rewards generated by that network or share in the value. So that's really, really, I kind of, I, I may be sort of overreaching a little bit, but in some ways I kind of see it as the ultimate um, realization of Satoshi's vision where you really wanted that peer-to-peer -peer value transfer. Well, now you have the peer-to-peer -peer value transfer and you have, those people who are doing that actually having the ability to run and govern and share the benefits of that network. So it brings the miners and the token holders together. It really crystallizes what Web3 is all about. You know, it's really turning the users into owners and being able to, you know, benefit from any participation that you actually yeah. have in a certain network. Yeah, it's it's another frame. I don't know. This again, I'm sort of trying out different ways to sort of really simplify it. But it's as if like you're a credit card holder, you hold your visa and if you want, you can actually process some of the visa transactions as a user and as and then have a say in governance where you really don't have any say in visa and whatever you don't share in any of those fees generated. So it really does push it out into the end user to run and govern themselves and, sh and sharing those benefits. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. And and Charles, you know, um, why, why would Ledger as a security company be interested in proof of stake? Well, for us, it's about, you know, giving access to these technologies. There's... You know, Ledger is 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 not a vertical. Very Ledger is very much a horizontal, which means that you know we support every blockchain out there, and every every blockchain needs security, and every user of these blockchains needs needs security to to keep control of their assets. So Ledger is really there to to support all of these emerging protocols, and um, we see tremendous demand from our users for okay, I want to stake my assets for this protocol, that protocol. Um, and it's actually one of the top kind of feature requests, if you will, that we get say, for, for different protocols. And these are people that you know are, are early adopters to the technology. They're economically kind of incentivized to, to participate. And 
you know, today there, if we don't kind of open up this capability within within Ledger, um, you know, they have to move their assets to to a centralized exchange, and then use that, and they have their own kind of limited coin support, um, and participate. But you know, losing some of that self custody and, and kind of independence that they had with their Ledger. Um, so that's why, about for us, it's really about giving access um, to to our users. Yeah, definitely makes sense about you know accessibility and having this whole aspect of a platform uh, that is a gateway kind of into all of these Web three services. Um, Lorian, back to you. Like now that we've explained the difference between proof of work and proof of stake and the the the, the friction, or I mean that the ability uh, for users to actually participate in that, thanks to Figment solving some of these frictions. Could you give us like a quick rundown of how that actually works? So if, you know, I'm, I'm a Ledger user now. So well, we, we, we do support end users, but we really prefer, um, we'd actually be happy if no one knew who we are. So we really like to work through um, partners like Ledger who serve, are very good at serving the end customer, have millions of end users. And so um, we really prefer to like provide our services through someone like Ledger as a partner. Um, uh, so that's that's the first thing to say is um, you should be you should be familiar with Ledger. You shouldn't necessarily be familiar with Figment. So we we very much like to operate in the background there. So the process of staking sounds like you're moving your tokens to us, for example. Um, it's you know the, the other words for it. It's called staking, nominating, delegating, electing. These are all words that are um, also used to describe what you do when you're staking, but that's not what happens. So if you're on, if you, you know, you have self-sovereignty, you have, um, you have custody when you, uh, your own custody, your keys, your crypto, when you use a ledger. Um, and when you decide you want to stake, essentially what you're doing is um, electing us to run that node infrastructure on your behalf. So it's an on-chain contract um, that essentially a transaction that essentially points to us as running that those nodes on your behalf. Um, and so to give you an example, if Figment were, if Meteors were based in Canada, if Meteors were to hit Canada, we were to disappear, um, we have no control of your funds. You still maintain total control within with, with your ledger device um, and you would just undelegate or redelegate. So there's no, um, it's not, there's nothing that we can do or the protocol can do that when you're staking. So it's, there are some edge case risks, which we can talk about, but generally speaking, you're not giving control of anyone of your assets in any way, shape or form when you are staking. So that's probably the first and probably the most common misconception because it kind of sounds like you are right. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're a state, you're giving it to someone else, but that's, that's not what, that's not really happening. It's really just, you're nominating us to do some work on your behalf, essentially. Uh, so that's the most important. And the transaction itself is relatively simple. You know, um, within the within Ledger Live, um, you'll, you know, uh, you'll be able to basically, hey, um, here's the uh, Ledger solution to staking um, with Figment. You'll be able to select it, a drop-down menu. It's a couple of transactions, and then you're staking. And then if you want to unstake, um, similar mechanism, a couple clicks, and, and, and you're done. And, and also, so you're also going to earn rewards or tokens for doing this. And in fact, those tokens, um, although it sounds like they're coming through our infrastructure, so we should have control of them. We don't control those either. Those go directly to your on-chain, to your private key address. So um, there's nothing that we can do with respect to your tokens or the rewards that you earn for doing that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Charles, this is obviously you know, a very fascinating partnership. Um, could you tell us um, more about how uh, it will benefit the Ledger community in terms of you know, the options and um, the capabilities that they will have uh, through Ledger Live? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with blockchain support comes 
whole lot of complexity, both on the wallet side, and you know, let's say we we want to support Solana. Okay, we need to kind of build this capability to actually show your balance, show your transactions. Okay, now we want to support let's say Solana NFTs. That adds a layer of complexity. Now we want to add staking for Solana, and we have to do this for every every blockchain we support in life, basically. And staking in particular uh, is, you know, a highly specialized, very um, kind of deep topic on its own. And it's protocol specific. Every protocol yeah, every, does it different, differently. Mm-hmm. And, right. and just you, enough of a difference to make it difficult. So. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's like shared concept and, and, and Lorian is really the, the staking expert here, but this is really an expertise, right? And, um, and, and not only that, but you also need to, Kind of have the the operational capability to operate all of these these nodes in a in a very kind of secure and uh, reliable um, uh, environment for for many protocols. So you kind of very uh, very deep knowledge and then multiplied by a number of protocols. So um, for I mean, why this partnership is is meaningful for for Ledger and for our users? It means more access quicker, right? Because now we have a partner that, that has this expertise. And can really scale up our, our protocol support fast, uh, and bring kind of a, a uniform product for staking and earning rewards across multiple protocols within the same app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And what what kind of first blockchains will we be starting with? I think by the time this hits the the tapes, so to speak, okay. uh, I think Solana will be live. That's right. Um, yeah, and then we're sure basically going to we, we should talk gonna, about the, the future yeah, protocols. We're, 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 we're going to work down. The I'm, most I'm, popular, I'm actually yeah. fishing for yeah. alpha for our users. Yeah, so. yeah fishing. <laughs> I mean, as I said, like we want to bring a uniform okay feature. Like when, when we support a protocol in line, you can stake. That's right. So we can say so, we're starting with Solana, but you know, there's more to come, and um, you know, we'll keep we'll keep our yeah, users yeah, updated. Like our aim is really to every couple of weeks. Yeah, every yeah. couple of weeks there'll be a new release. So yeah. that, that's really the, the big win with this partnership is we can move fast. So Lorian, there are a lot of misconceptions, and you've you know uh, related to proof of stake. Uh, you've obviously yep. mentioned a couple, uh, but there is one related to the accessibility uh, of participation. You know, being able to participate in general. Um, um, you know, uh, most people think that they would need you know thirty two ETH in order to participate right. in uh, you know Ethereum's proof of stake mechanisms. Uh, what are kind of the minimum sh- thresholds for someone to right. be able to uh, you know participate in, in proof of stake in a general sense? So. Um, again, as we sort of discuss, uh, it depends because every blockchain is a little bit different. Different, but in general, um, you don't need any minimum to participate. Uh, you can you can deal with if you hold one Solana token or one Cosmos token, you can go ahead and delegate or stake stake those tokens. Um, you did refer to ETH, which is has a fixed ETH is a little bit different than most protocols. Um, actually, Polkadot's like this too. Um, and with respect to um, Ethereum, you have 32 ETH per node. Now we're in a little bit of a, uh, a weird space with Ethereum because we are close to the full transition to proof of stake this year, but we're not there yet. So, um, you know, about, I haven't looked at it today, but about 10% of Ethereum is currently staked. And we fully expect that, you know, post, it's called post-merge, like when the transition mm-hmm. actually happens, um, to be, you know, um, north of north of 50 and perhaps it's 60 or 70%. Um, and 
over that time, there are a number of solutions which um, are or will be available, which allow you to essentially people to pool that ETH if you have less than 32 onto a node. So that those systems are just being developed. It's something called um, liquid staking. Uh, and that basically allows you to, um, to, to pool your ETH um, and then you don't require the 32 ETH. So ultimately, over time, um, you can just think of most protocols. It doesn't matter how much you hold. Okay. There is this little weird thing with ETH pre and post merge, which makes it a little more difficult to do that. But that's not going to be the case over time. That's uh, that's actually quite interesting. And uh, Charles, yeah. back to you. You know, obviously, the ledger community is extremely cautious when it comes to security. Um, and Lorian spoke about the fact that uh, you know the funds are actually on the blockchain, and that the, the validator can can actually run away with with you know uh, users' funds. But from a security standpoint, are there any any risks uh, relating to um, you know basically delegating your funds through Ledger to a node? Well, I think probably Lorian can yeah, speak I more think. about the operational risks because you know the the mechanism of proof of stake is that. You, you're putting a, an economic stake, um, and and that is yeah, literally at stake it, it, um, because you need to follow the rules of the protocol. And if you don't follow the rules of the protocol, you maybe you're not online. Um, right. Then uh, I'm sure Lorian can can yeah. go, go deeper on that. But Absolutely. that's the, the kind of the risk picture. Yeah, so it's not, um, so there's no risk of like 100% loss or anything like that. There are, again, I can say this a lot, it depends on the on the blockchain or the protocol because they're mm -hmm. all a little bit different. But in general, there are two things that can go wrong when you stake. So if we don't do our job, basically. Um, one of them is uh, basically related to downtime. So if we're down for a significant amount of time, you might miss rewards. I, you might miss some of that token income. So that's that's called miss rewards, and it's usually related to if um, if we did something wrong, um, and our 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 servers or our nodes were down. Um, the other one is something called uh, slashing, which sounds bad, and it is bad. Um, and slashing is essentially in place to prevent um, uh, forks of the network or double spending, I can think of it as trying to spend like a single token twice. Um, and so slashing is very bad. And depending on the protocol, sometimes you can have a loss of like one to 3%. If we don't do our job, and that happens, we've never had that event. Um, in, you know, four years of operating, I guess I should knock on some wood now that I've gone, I've gone and jinxed it, um, our whole um, infrastructure is set up to avoid that situation. In fact, um, we have something called safety over liveness, where um, we will choose to be down because the losses, we, you know, we can we can compensate you. We have insurance. It's not that big of a deal, and you have to be down for a long time to start missing rewards. So our whole infrastructure is built around avoiding the slashing scenario. And again, it's never happened. And then, um, and again, it's not 100%. It's usually 1% or 2%. Not minimizing that. It's very important. And then we have a set of SLAs, insurance, both on or off chain, to um to compensate the users um in those various services if that were to happen so that's about it otherwise um you can kind of it's you can think of it as like a passive passive um you don't really have to watch it you don't have to keep your eyes on it you can sort of just let it go um the returns are relatively stable and again the, those are the edge case risks and they're they're relatively small that's actually quite interesting and the fact that you're saying that it's actually passive and that you don't have to do anything um, reminds me of you know a question that I hear often is do you have to actively claim your rewards or are they kind of yeah. you know um, sometimes yes okay. so again depend depends on the protocol sometimes it's automatic 
sometimes you have to claim. And so when, when I swing passive, actually, we are running the nodes on your behalf. So you're actually very active in the protocol, but I'm saying from there's nothing that you have to do on a daily basis or mm -hmm. things you have to watch out for on that basis. So it's, 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 you're, you're passively very active. <laughs> you're actually, you're actually running the protocol. We're just, you just outsource that function to, to us. Um, and then of course you also have an opportunity uh, for governance. So many of these no protocols have on-chain voting, et cetera. And so if you want to be again, um, the right but not the obligation to actually participate in shaping the direction of the network you can also do that okay and that's a possibility all while doing it through figment and not doing it yourself you, that's right. all right that's right that's right amazing so charles you know proof of stake is obviously uh, gaining more and more adoption in the space uh, thanks to its energy efficiency and of course uh, the reward that you know this mechanism yields uh, for its users um how do you see ledger's role evolving with it cuz you know now for the first time people are going to be able to stake uh, with different partners through ledger live where where do you see the next steps uh, in terms of having this horizontal framework that you're speaking of well um i mean ledger live today is already quite a multi-chain wallet and i say quite because you know, most wallets typically support one chain. Um, some support two. It's it's quite uncommon to support that many. Um, and but we still see, you know, there's still some gaps to to cover most of the market cap. Um, and we're actively kind of engaging with each community to to bring them to Ledger because we, you know, figured out a way so that we we can open up live. Like live is an open source project, right? But we've figured out a way so that these coin communities can come in and um, basically build support for their blockchain within Ledger Live, which is this already kind of very multi-chain wallet. Um, so we're, we're really doubling down on that to, to have communities that are themselves incentivized to secure their assets and kind of have a really good wallet for, for their user base uh, come, to, come to us and, and build on Ledger. And then as we go forward, you know, we, we have to kind of support more and more features on these protocols. So for example, we added NFT support um, for Ethereum. Um, soon we'll add it for Polygon. And, you know, we're going to look at every chain where, you know, NFTs are emerging and there's a community around them. And we'll want to bring that functionality as well. Um, so that's the, the way forward for, for Ledger Life. It's incredible to see the continued growth of uh, from the, the bottom up culture around nfts continues to be pretty amazing so yeah they have and the nft community has the best events the best parties at these events too by the way <laughs> they're, they're, they're the most creative and interesting it's it's good i just came so, back from lisbon and i can validate yeah <laughs> and uh, you know nfts are um so digital ownership becomes even more meaningful for nfts because they're you know they're more unique they're more personal okay. and um yeah it's also about culture, you know. The cultural entry point is so much, you know, resonates with a lot more people than, you know, talking about finance. Yes. Although finance has Absolutely. probably much bigger impact on the economy. Uh, right. The cultural aspect is it's just mind-blowing when you see, you know, people coming in. There's a huge number of mostly young people who have found their way in this space and have no interest in traditional art or galleries or et cetera. And this is this is the way to get this is the way to participate and this is their version of art and culture. Um, and it's pretty amazing to see. So, Lorian, there's an obvious interest from institutions, um, you know, uh, in putting their capital to work. Uh, and proof of stake seems to be like a gold mine. Uh, JP yeah. Morgan, you know, predicted last year that the staking industry will probably be worth $40 billion by 2025. Um, 
where do you see you know figment in five five years away from now yeah so um i'll, I'll answer your question directly in a second i think w what you're seeing is a result of you know again to i try to like really simplify things down that there's there's a couple ways to um generate um rewards um or, or income from participating in blockchain networks and i sort of do it in I put into like two big buckets, um, which is probably an oversimplification, but there's a whole host of like, you've probably heard of these things like yield farming, lending, uh, liquidity provision. Um, and uh, you're basically, you know, you're providing liquidity to a decentralized exchange um, and then getting compensated for that, for example. And so there's a whole bunch of those like essentially DeFi activities um, that have their own set of risks and rewards. So in theory, those are pretty active. You, um, there are a whole set of like smart contract risks or counterparty risks or whatever. And so in theory, you should be compensated um, with a higher, higher return for, for participating in those activities. And then there's, so that's one bucket. And then there's um, what we've been talking today, which I call protocol staking or trying to call protocol staking because, you know, staking is a term that's used, um, not well-defined. Um, and so in that case, you are actually essentially participating in consensus running the protocol, there's not really smart contract risk, there's no counterparty risk. And so, you know, I think over time, from an institution and individual perspective, people are saying, okay, how much risk and activity and participation um, do I want for what amount of reward? And then you can essentially select. So if you basically want something that's a little more passive, um, lower risk, um, then you might try staking, which we've been talking about, or if you want to go full DGEN, YOLO, there's a whole set of other opportunities around that. Um, and then there's, you know, a set of regulatory constraints around each one of those, depending on your jurisdiction. Um, so what I think you're seeing as um, more and more and more institutions are finding their way to the space, um, uh, large investors, that these are the options they're looking at. Um, and because of sort of the risk profile of staking in general, that's sort of the first way. And you kind of start with Bitcoin. Now you hold Ethereum. Next, um, uh, you know, Bitcoin's a gateway drug. And then... Um, uh, you know, with Ethereum making the transition to proof of stake this year, um, now you have an opportunity to like participate in consensus, and then you can kind of go down to you know other Solana, Avalanche, Cosmos, etc. Down that line. But that's I, I think that's that's what's happening, and that's how they're starting to frame like what are the opportunities um, on these protocols, and then what are the what do I how do I get compensated for that? Yeah, absolutely, and you know. The obvious kind of first thing people would think about is now that the main resource to run the blockchain is money and not electricity, the people right. with the most money are the ones that are going to be making the calls. Um, right. What are your opinions to both of you? Yeah. This is more of a philosophical question. Yeah, this, uh, this is a philosophical. There's, yeah. there's lots of debates in in our community and in the industry around decentralization. And my general, it's my my general, you know, take is that it's not a binary that it's a scale um and uh you know to some extent you you know a decentralized community when you see it um and there's not a clear definition of you know and you know it when it's highly concentrated and controlled by a few people you kind of just know it and then there's a huge sort of spectrum in there um and some blockchains are going to be more centralized than others some are going to be more decentralized um, application developers can then make a choice depending on their specific needs about how comfortable they are along that spectrum, basically. So I think that, you know, um, so, so that's just one in my general view of like, well, that's not decentralized, but that is decentralized. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think that's quite the right frame necessarily. It's rarely the case somewhere in the middle. Um, and then with respect to proof of stake, one of the big concerns has been that, you know, um, I guess you would describe it as the rich get richer. 
Um, you know, once you have a large, if you stake it, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to continue to earn a larger share of the network and that'll continue on. It's not really what we've seen. Most what's happened on these new proof of stake protocols is exactly the opposite. You tend to start with uh, a small original community that's either airdropped or something like that. You have a set of like original VC investors, maybe, and then a founding team, um, a small set of developers. And so they tend to start out actually very concentrated. And at least the ones that are successful tend to decentralize, at least if you're looking at like token concentration and ownership over time and not the other way around. So I, th I think it still remains an open question. I'm not totally dismissing it, but at least in the last three or four years, the exact opposite has happened on most successful protocols. Mm -hmm. That's an actual conundrum, you know, because um, I, I personally, I can participate in proof of stake, but I can't participate in proof of work. But right. then, you know, and then, yeah, and then, you know, people talk and sort of people talk about I've seen some, you know, analogies with like, you know, well, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a group of VCs and founders and maybe a small group of developers. Um, and how's that when they start? And how's that like decentralized? You know, and then I'm like, well, how many original investors were there in Google? Like five there's no blockchain that has like five owners. It's even at the very start. Like, so you're right. It's not perfect at the start and it's a process, but compared to what we were doing with like traditional VC, finance, like no one had an opportunity. No, none of us had an opportunity to like invest in Google, right? Ever at any point until they went public. So, you know, again, I think by comparison to what we've been dealing with in a, in a much more centralized financial and tech stack, it's much better than that, even if it's not perfect. Makes sense. Charles, what's your take? No, but from a ledger side, right, we we want to give access. And whatever chain you choose, whatever chain you choose to build on, you're going to need security. You're going to need self-custody. Um, so th that's how we look at it. And so, and there's going to be a spectrum of solutions. Um, and uh, to me, as long as that self-custody option is, is there, the user can own their keys, then you know there's no why should we you know ju judge it differently right so i think different solutions will emerge um it's an open marketplace it's very competitive um let's see who wins right i think it's very hard to to predict that and um and we're here to support um, all of the communities so it's time to move on to our last segment of the show this is free for all so for this last segment of the show, I actually am very happy to be sharing my role with you and have you ask each other uh, one question each. This is kind of our own way uh, of participating in decentralization. Uh, so feel free to go first. Charles, um, what are you most excited about going into 2022 about the space? Um... It's a tough one. Probably a lot, right? Uh, well, this is stuff I can't talk about, <laughs> but maybe people are here for the free alpha. Uh, <laughs> right. No, but um, I think you know it's it's a very exciting time at Ledger for sure. But looking outside, um, outside of immediate vicinity, I'm super um, interested in, in Startnet um, and uh, kind of yep. layer two stake uh, scaling and the, the, yep. the zk rollups. Yeah. Um, that, that's See super if we interesting. Finally, get there. If we finally actually get some scalability with that yeah, after years um, of promise, I agree. So that's, that's super great. interesting. But also, um, you know, from a very user point of view, the the emergence of really mobile friendly DApps um, starting to become more common to see good UX uh, in a web environment for for DApps. 
which hasn't been the case, or it's been really a desktop first mindset from developers and users. I think yeah. we're going to see some interesting things in, in this year that will mean that mobile can now be kind of a viable viable usage for uh, for crypto. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, uh, on that front, I think, you know, we had talked about multi-chains before, but i mm-hmm. um, really excited about all the communications in between these new chains that's happening. Mm-hmm. So you have kind of the Cosmos, the Avalanche, the Polkadot ecosystems, and then a whole ecosystem of bridges. And it's kind of really, I'm really sort of, you know, in, I think we're in a world where it's not two blockchains. I think that's pretty obvious. And now I don't know if it's 10,000 over time that are used or 500, but I think uh, interchain communication is a really dynamic scary um amazing area of a lot of um experimentation and kind of what i'm most interested in and see how those like three different ecosystems you know the three i mentioned develop um and that so that's just so to answer my own question sorry but that's, that's kind of what <laughs> what i find most exciting so yeah love it you know i have a a crazy question but also a, a not so crazy question so i think um let's start with the non-crazy one so um Figment could really have been just a quote unquote, just an infrastructure provider, right? Um, but if you look at Figment today, it's trying to be much more than that. It's almost driving developer adoption for yeah. certain chains, right? So could you speak a bit more about that? What is the motivation behind that? And so, yeah, yeah so uh, thank you. It's, it's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we originally, you know, again, kind of going back to my little rant earlier on, we really want to see people use these blockchains like we really you know internally we have a little kind of rule of thumb like if what you're doing at work is um increasing the usage someone staking providing security or a developer building something on a blockchain um that's a good thing you know if what you're doing doesn't really contribute to that then stop doing that so we really want to see more people using these blockchains and so you know once we started with staking infrastructure which is kind of the core level we asked like what's next why are these blockchains going to have any value over time and really the answer is you need developers leaving web two, coming to web three, experimenting, failing, succeeding, trying to figure out what those use cases are, building dApps and smart contracts. And so, um, you know, we, we come out of uh, the developer tooling space in the traditional web two world. Um, we've been building infrastructure for a long time. And so we launched a set of tools that basically we call it data hub um, uh, and an educational platform for developers uh, called Builder DAO, um, where essentially uh, make it easier. Cause it's like, if you're, if you want how do I, build and deploy a smart contract like if you type that into google there's no like obvious first place to start you know in web 2 there's a whole set of frameworks and tools and a huge you know you know 20 years of um um products and services and people to help you do that but there's really doesn't exist in web 3 so we really wanted to we're just starting to we do that again we have a tool called data hub we have a if you want to learn how to deploy your first smart contract um there's a community there to help you out and a bunch of tutorials. And then we have a set of tools, which basically makes it easier. You don't have to run all this blockchain infrastructure to deploy a DAP or smart contract. So what we hope is we can onboard more and more developers, and then they'll drive usage from end users by this wonderful creativity and experimentation. So yeah, so moving mm-hmm. up, moving up the stack to that a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're uh, otherwise, um, yeah, we need people using blockchains. Come try it. Stop building <laughs> in Web2. Yeah. Come, come, come build a smart contract. That definitely, definitely makes sense, you know, because this is obviously an adoption driver to the whole ecosystem. What about your crazy question, Charles? Uh, Since it's crazy, you can so, ask two questions. You know, <laughs> you said the so going, uh, you said going vertical or moving up the stack. Um, we associate Figment with staking, but um, could there be kind of other? I was thinking, what could NFT staking mean? Right, not in a protocol, kind of right. protocol staking, right. but what if what if uh, Figment could use its infrastructure for 
securing these types of assets or perhaps creating yeah, financial seeing, primitives or on top of that. Exactly. So again, you know, we, we want to be very careful, you know, we're not, we have no interest in going into the, the custody business or the self custody mm -hmm. business. You know, we, we really kind of want to stick to our knitting in that respect. And so on the NFT side, which, which is a great point is we mm -hmm. would really want like through these developer tools, we want to enable people to start doing that. So, you know, we have a number of large mm -hmm. um, NFT platforms, for example, on Solana that run on, on our infrastructure that use our developer tools. Um, and, uh, we'd really like to work with those developers and, um, you know, the people who are staking some of the larger institutions, um, and maybe they can come together and build something like you're talking using mm -hmm. our infrastructure. I don't mm -hmm. think we're going to build it, but mm -hmm. we'd really like to help them pull them together or give them the tools to build something like that. I think that's right. I think people are going to be able to do a, a lot more financial, much easier to do, um, you know, to lend out your artwork or use mm -hmm. it as collateral or something like that. Um, than it is in the traditional world. And so I think you'll start to see people doing that and a lot of experimentation in that area. Fascinating. Gentlemen, pleasure chatting with you. Dorian, enjoy, enjoy Miami and Charles. Halfway, halfway through there. Halfway through. <laughs> Hang in there. Uh, you should have the Ledger Villa. He is. Uh, yes, I, I, I may come by for dinner tonight. So <laughs> okay, I, I, I've been okay. extended a, uh, an invitation. So I will, uh, I will do that. I've heard good things. Awesome. Well, I'm very much looking forward to all the capabilities that Figment will unlock for Ledger users. And I hope we'll chat, you know, sometime again, maybe soon. That'd be uh, great. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Lauren. See you soon. Nice to meet you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it. What a conversation with Lauren and Charles. If you want to learn more about Figment and Ledger's partnership, please head to ledger.com. And if you want more of this, I highly, highly suggest you hit that subscribe button because we've got a lot more coming. This was on Ledger from Paris with your host, Moel Sayed. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.